Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Today's episode is How to Keep It Simply Simple. Joining me in the studio today is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Hi, Eric, and everybody out there. So I love the title, and you gave it to me before we went on, and I thought to myself, man, is there ever a time in history where it'd be nice if we could do just that, just simply simple? Mm -hmm. So what's behind that idea, Jeff, in a very complex and sometimes confusing world? I think part of it is, uh, like you just you just said, it's our world is getting more complicated with everything that's going on, and every time you know, it seems like there's a new social media platform popping out or new cable channels, and mm -hmm. uh, just stuff is bombarding us all the time to make our life more complicated. And um, some of that we can't help, but I think there are some things that we can control in our lives that we can do to keep things simple, to make our lives flow a little bit better, be just a okay. little bit easier. All right. So would you say, in your opinion, that the modern human being is predisposed to complicating things? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I know that's not a scientific question, <laughs> but I think the simple answer of yes, right? And, and where I'm going with that, um, if, if you'll notice, especially if you look at any of the self-help or the self-improvement world, you know, someone will write an article saying, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't be drinking eight glasses of water. That's not right. It, it should only be five. And then the person starts to go, oh, my gosh, I've been I've been drinking too much water. I've got to I've got to figure out how to move it from eight to five. <laughs> and then there's another article that says, hey, you know, you realize when you're driving your car, if you're putting premium on lead, it's a total waste of your money. Oh, my gosh. How much money have I? You see where I'm <laughs> yes, going? Exactly. I mean, there's just this over. And I I sometimes I joke about it with my wife is that that is the one thing that drives me nuts about the age that we live in. I'm all for people having a platform to express their opinion and their voice and all the rest. But Jeff, correct me if you think I'm wrong here. Okay. We're just, I don't know if every opinion is absolutely valid. <laughs> is that right? Did I say it? Is, is, yes, you just, there's some, uh, some quotes out there, but I'm not going to say them. They're not fit for a family audience, but yes, I agree with what you're saying. Well, and I, and I guess I want, I'm, I'm really kind of um, giving that a little bit of a consequential thinking here. Um, when I say valid, I don't mean to say your opinion doesn't matter, but in the example of the eight glasses of water a day, 
Mm-hmm. I'm almost in that camp, and this is my opinion. Jeff, if eight works for you, great. I would hope that you're checking to see if you're getting the results that you want. But if you said it's five, okay, Jeff, that's great. You made a decision to move it to five. I hope that's going to, I just can't get with the, you got to stop. You're going <laughs> to stop eight. You have to do five. And, and here's 20 paragraphs on why we've discovered that it's five. I mean, are there some things that we just don't need the complexity? Right. You can find arguments to back up anything. Yeah. No matter right, how right. strange you yeah. can find them out there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's where, you know, Google's that double-edged sword. <laughs> sure, cuz it's going to grab all the information that's out there. Yeah, uh, and that's just going to confuse you till you get overloaded. Yeah. You're you're at the point where I don't know now. I thought I did. Yeah. And I was happy and just moving moving my life along the way I wanted, but what am I missing? You know, what am I doing that's hurting myself? Just like you said with the unleaded gas. Well, you spent more money. You got where you wanted to go. Don't worry about it, you know. <laughs> and what you just described is that idea of intentionality, is it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would imagine in order to simplify things, you have to be intentional about making the decision to sort of remove and edit things out of life. And that's, you mentioned consequential thinking. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good thing to think about there that um, what are the consequences of me digging into something that I'm happy with already and every, I'm getting the results I want? What am I going to find out that's going to make it better or I'm going to find out or am I going to find out something that just totally derails me? Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll give you an example from my own life. Um that re- relates to this idea about the complication. So I had been taking a supplement um, called glutathione. My wife and I had done some research. We had found this functional medicine doctor that had raved about how it helps with your immune system. And he was a trustworthy, he is a trustworthy physician. So it, it, that was never a matter of you know uh, concern. Um, but I found a couple of other doctors who were in a field that were I'm going to say probably much closer to the eye, to the research side of glutathione and that glutathione is it's inside of your cells. Mm-hmm. So if you take a supplement, that's not penetrating cell membranes, <laughs> right? Right. And these doctors were saying, quite frankly, he said, it's kind of worthless to spend the money on this expensive supplement because it's not penetrating the cell because you need to have something that can penetrate the cell to produce more glutathione, therefore, on and on and on. And I remember reading that, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. That makes total sense. Now, I could have, Jeff, started going back to the original physician that recommended the supplement, and then I could have just done some more Google searches to see maybe if there were some other opposing opinions. <laughs> but... I kind of embraced the idea of, okay, you know what? Yeah, I, I gave it a shot because I thought it was the right thing to do, but I'm going to stop. I'm not going to pay the amount of money that I was paying for that supplement anymore because mm-hmm. I think because of their research background and what um, I think it was molecular biology was like, okay, I think that's, that's solid insight. And I had backed it up a bit with doing some other things about, okay, glutathione, cell, and all of that. But to me, that's that's a mechanism where I'm making an intentional effort 
to simplify. Yeah, and it could be something as serious as, you know, medical right. things like that. I like loose leaf black tea. Mm-hmm. And I found, actually on Amazon, I found a, a, a small tea plantation in India that does a lot of social things that I like right. as far as taking care of the people in their village, providing a school and medical care. Um, and it's they don't have a tea broker, so all their profits stay there. And their tea is really, really good. And I mentioned that to somebody, and they sent like 10 different other teas I should have tried. And I just made the decision no, they. This checks all the boxes. Right. Why am I going to bother doing that? Yeah. And I think, um, you, again, you make a very important point to this idea of simplicity. Right. It requires vigilance. It requires intentionality because um, I I don't see a day where we're going to have less opinions <laughs> coming our way. Right. No. And I, as much as I have made a conscious decision to simplify. Um, I don't see our world simplifying. I mean, I'm not a prophet. I'm not a futurist yeah. by any stretch, but it seems like, if anything, it's going in the other direction. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have a quote here I want to say. Please. That I, I, for the life of me, cannot find who said this. He was The person was one of the early pioneers in building jet engines. Mm-hmm. It might have been a guy named Frank Whittle from England, okay. but I couldn't find it, and the the thing about the early jet engines is they were so much simpler than the piston engines they had. A jet engine would have four or five moving parts where a piston engine would have hundreds. Mm-hmm. And so they were talking – he was in a conversation about how simple it is, and he said, don't worry. We will design the simplicity out of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I think that's what we're doing today. We are designing the simplicity out of our lives. Don't you think that's – Counter-human? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I know at the beginning I talked about how we have this tendency to complicate things. But I, I, the people that I run into, the people that we work with, I get a sense they are longing for simplicity. You know, I look at today's world and, and I'm not discounting all the advances we made in medicine and, and communication and right. all these things. But if you go back – Two or three hundred years, discounting those things, life was simpler. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there just wasn't all these things to distract. Um, families were stronger. Yeah. You know, your local community was stronger because you had to be. So I think, yeah, we are we are designing the simplicity out of our lives. Which to me would come back to that intentionality thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think there's also some something to the reality of paying attention to your to your body um, and how your body physically responds to things. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that when I start to feel anxiety, I I can there's some things that happen in my body that are cueing me to that. Now, 20 years ago, I would just fight it or try to stuff it or, you know, um, you know, the machismo, I, I, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm fine. It's just get over it. Come on, get up, get up, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas now I will linger with the emotion and I'll, I'll go, okay, something's going on. Let me just, let me just pause for a minute. Well, what, where's this coming from? What's this all about? And I say it like this, Jeff, because 
I know, speaking purely for me, the times when I have complicated things is typically when I felt pressure from outside forces mm -hmm. to be involved in things that were not me. Exactly. Um, and that's the problem with our lives today. You know, communication is so easy. It's easy for people to track you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be able to, hey, you need to do this. Yeah. And you're afraid if you don't do it, you're going to hurt their feelings, you know, or if you do do it, uh, you're going to be miserable because it's- Well, and I think, you know, to your point, the other, at least for me, again, it was the feeling of pressure that, well, I didn't want to seem like an oddball or I didn't want to seem like I wasn't intelligent. I didn't want to seem, 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 seem. And I know over time, it kind of got to a place where I had, I, you know what, if I don't get- my act together at being who I really am, I'm going to just live my life at the, at the whim of a culture that just, as you just said, will design the simplicity out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is a wasted life. Um, so I want to kind of hit on that intentionality thing again, and about making these conscious choices. Mm -hmm. Um, what are some things that you think people can do who might be confronted with the reality that they know they need to simplify something or some things and that pressure? Maybe not like what I experienced. Maybe there's something else, you know. I, I think the first way to start is with one of our competencies, which is emotional literacy. When you're confronted with this, what is your emotion that you're feeling? Yeah. Are you feeling excited and yay, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this? Mm -hmm. Or are you feeling um, some apprehension or mm -hmm. hesitation? Yep. Okay, I don't know. So explore those feelings. Yeah. To actually, yeah. why am I feeling like this maybe isn't for me? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as you mentioned that, um, there is this idea that, and it may kind of run counter, and maybe that's the that's the complicity of complicating things is that it, it people don't feel like they have the room or the space to linger. And I, and I want to be careful, Jeff. When, when I talk mm -hmm. about linger, I'm not saying, "Hey, I'm going to take a break for an hour at the park and 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 just kind of just zone out." I, I linger is is that well, wait a minute, what's going on? And that, that's that's not a that's not a super long process, right? Well, I think it was in one of our last episodes where where I talked about the six second challenge. Yes, oh yes. <laughs> and I hope people have been trying that. It's if not, I repeat remind that. What is what was that challenge? The six again? second challenge is is when you're confronting with something, take the six seconds in a, in a way to see how uh, much can be accomplished in that six seconds. Is get your your phone or your mm -hmm. watch. Yep. And just see how long six seconds really is mm -hmm. and what you can do in that. So that six-second pause, again, is, is something I think is the first step. The six-second pause. Well, you know what, Jeff? What I'm going to do is I am going to get out my phone, and I'm going to do six seconds. All right. So, audience, be prepared. You're going to have silence for exactly Six seconds. That's scaring Brett, our producer. Yeah, well, Brett, hang in there. <laughs> so, and starting.
That was six seconds, give or take. So audience, did that feel like an eternity for you? <laughs> Maybe better yet, Jeff, how did it feel for you? I was focused in on making sure I could stop the clock. So you could, it's amazing how many thoughts you can have in that six seconds. Okay. And then if you direct those thoughts into the emotional part of it, mm -hmm. you can accomplish an awful lot. If nothing else, you can. Uh, so you're saying you can get some feedback within that time frame that can be valuable to as you're making these intentional decisions. Yeah. If nothing else, it's going to let your thinking brain take back over mm -hmm. so you can actually respond right. to whatever it is. Okay. So we pause. We get do that six-second challenge. So we're... We're basically searching for some data from the emotions that are happening mm -hmm. in that time frame. Yes, exactly. So as I play out the, real, uh, the reality of that is that, okay, Jeff, um, you should be drinking five glasses of water versus eight. It's really important. One. So if Jeff, let's say your feeling was um, disgust. Mm -hmm. You're using that six seconds to explore disgust. What is it telling me? Why am I feeling disgust? Am I tracking? Is that kind of yeah, where you're it, going with that? You know, it, the, the disgust could be: Am I disgusted with the five second or the five glass guy? Right. The eight glass guy. Um, or maybe it's a hey, I'm so sick of being bombarded with all this advice. Yeah. yeah. I'm, you know, that's disgusting me. Just leave me alone. I'm happy. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And, and, and for the audience, I, I want to remind you that this process that I'm taking Jeff through um, is not one designed around should you do something or shouldn't you do something? Because remember, Jeff and I are talking about one solitary subject matter. Mm -hmm. Now, if this was the only thing that Jeff had to contemplate and to make a decision on, Oh, H, yeah. If, if, if that's the biggest deal for you, Jeff, today, is it eight glasses or five glasses? <laughs> wow, what a life you have. Yeah, I've got it. I got all my ducks in a row. Okay. But as everyone knows, it's one of what could be hundreds, <laughs> right? If You know what I'm saying? Well, before we started recording this, Eric and I had a discussion about Zoom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a complication that added to yeah. our day. <laughs> yeah. Now, it just, okay, since we're there, Jeff, mm -hmm. right? When we had that problem, I immediately felt anxious. Uh, I almost, maybe the better way of saying, um, I felt a paralysis. Mm -hmm. If I'm getting it right. But there was a part of me that just wanted to say, I don't want to touch it. I just don't, I don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with it. And there's very few times, Jeff, do I come upon problems, opportunities, and go, I just don't want to deal with it. So maybe that apprehension moved into fear, on and on and on. What happens if I just keep in that, stay in that loop? <laughs> Not letting that thinking part of my brain, the prefrontal, the executive function, what happens with us and Zoom? You just made me think about an old Star Trek, several old Star Trek episodes where they would ask a question of a computer and it would just keep 
doing a loop and still all of a sudden sparks and smoke come out of it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good that's a good word picture. Um, and and Jeff, I know I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna surprise you in what I'm about ready to say. What is the likelihood that we fix the Zoom problem if I stay in the loop of I don't want to deal with it? I don't want to deal with it. You're never going to fix it. Right. And then I'm also probably going to cause you frustration because you're going to reach out to me and say, hey, we need to talk about the Zoom thing again. Mm -hmm. How do you want to do this? How do you want to do it? I don't want to deal with it. So you're going to probably, it's going to create a second problem. Mm -hmm. The third is it's going to do some potential damage to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So right now we got three. And I'm sure if we were really going to brainstorm this, there are others that could come about. Because I don't want to linger and examine what's behind my fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank, fill-in-the-blank. Okay. You know, there's a, a concept that I read in a book, I think I was in high school, so a long time ago, about some of the engineers at NASA mm -hmm. that were on the Apollo project. Yep. And, and they had a concept of they had gates they had to get through. And a gate would be, okay, the first gate would be, from launch into orbit, mm -hmm. and then just the things that would happen after that. And every time they would add something, uh, a process or equipment or whatever, those gates would narrow and to make them harder to get through because there's more chance of things going wrong until finally they would – sometimes they would get to the point where the gate was closed. So you, when you start adding these things, like you, you talked about with us with the Zoom, mm -hmm. you're getting that gate closer and closer together and harder and harder to get through to get to whatever the next thing is, the next yeah. step, which is just, okay, we got to fix Zoom. So we'll yeah. you know, do that. So I, I've always looked at that. Whenever you start adding complexity to something, I always have that picture in my mind of, okay, I'm making it harder to get to where I want to be. That gate's getting narrower. Yeah, because I think, um, and, and I, I realize that in the age that we live in, it's very, I mean, the other thing that happens when simplicity becomes r more rare, mm -hmm. um, reflective, contemplation, whatever you want to, I mean, let me put it to put it in a different way. Being contemplative, being reflective also becomes a rarity which then leads to more than likely you will not linger with that emotion because of maybe the initial feeling that you had, mm -hmm. right? Um, which then creates these issues with the gate. Mm -hmm. And we, and, and I, and I, I see this in a, in a number of people, there's this unspoken frustration, right? And, and my heart breaks for these people because I go, you're you're in this you're in this whirlwind, you know, and and you you want to get out of it, but you're not sure how to get out of it. And then you think about, well, if I got out of it, what would I do when I get out of it? And it, it just it it just creates so much um, so much stress. Um, I used this example in a previous episode of one of our partners, Jim Vave, and we were with a group. And one person in the audience had asked, well, what do you do when you've got multiple emotions that are just, it seems like they're swirling around you. They're just, it's like 
you 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 can't keep up and track and and Jim used the advice of um and I cannot remember the lady's name but he said be still just be still and though Jim didn't necessarily go to this place the thing that really kind of leaped out for me is that that's how you gain perspective you remember the the scene in the Matrix, you know, the first one when Neo was being shot, mm-hmm. and when he figured out that the bullets was they were just code, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of that idea. It's kind of like if you're willing to stop and slow down, you might find out that this swirling is not going to harm you. That these things that are coming at you are not going to cause you great harm. And I'm not saying that it works that way every single time. Mm-hmm. But there's this art and this practice of, well, hold on. Let me just, for six seconds, <laughs> right? And I'm by no stretch, I, I don't know the math, how many seconds in a day, <laughs> in our waking day, by just taking that six seconds and kind of going, wait a minute, what is it? What is it saying to me? Right. You, you need to just, but once again, okay, I'll say it this way, that's practice. All right, so would that be the third then? I think as we're tracking here, do do I need to practice simplifying things? Yeah. Um, I'm going to – one more quote. All right. And I know exactly who this was from. It's from a, a fellow named Harold East who was my father, dairy farmer, World War II vet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where he picked this up, but his quote was, don't borrow trouble. Hmm. Which means um, a lot of our problems are self-inflicted. Yes. Um, some most of the stuff we've been talking about today is was self-inflicted. Yeah. Okay. I grew up on a dairy farm. Yeah. So in the spring, we would do the planting, and there would be things we would need to do in the spring, but in the fall, we wouldn't worry about that. Because if he was thinking ahead of planting, mm-hmm. it would just complicate things. Um, and it's the same way, same way, same thing with everything. Um, because we don't always know what the outcome is going to be to something. And if you're looking ahead, oh my gosh, Jeff! Though I I don't know of how many things actually you you know the outcome. What so, the out, I mean, you have some sense about what where it's heading and what it could be right so if you're if you're concentrating on that outcome mm-hmm. and the outcome is not going to be what you would want and that's all you're concentrating on that's borrowing trouble yes right, and right i don't think he ever said this but what he implied was that's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. <laughs> when you when you start borrowing this trouble when you start looking ahead to this outcome uh subconsciously or consciously you're going to get directed towards that. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. Because there's a reality that, uh, you know, I experienced personally and, I, and I've seen it in my kids um, about this idea of um, what weight are you carrying and why are you carrying it? Mm-hmm. You know, is that weight that you're carrying really yours? And um, in the world that I ran in, 
uh, in the corporate world, um, image, persona, uh, presentation, all of that was a big deal. Not always because it was demanded from other people. Sometimes it was self-inflicted, self-induced. And I remember when I got out of that world and when I was escorted out of that world as I tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> um, I remember walking into a department store and I'm walking through the men's area and I'm seeing all the ties and the suits and the shirts, which was my uniform at that time. And I remember Jeff going, oh my gosh, I don't have to think about this anymore. I'm not in that world. Mm. And it was as if I'm walking lighter. <laughs> and for me, it was one of the most vivid examples of simplifying. I no longer had to carry that weight. Now, please, um, I know you know this. My gut is you know this. How about that? <laughs> I'm not criticizing and, and saying it's bad to wear nice clothes and be very presentable and good presentation. That's everybody. I mean, that's your choice and the motivation you have behind it. Mine was not a good motivation, right? Um, and it was a part of that complicated life I was leading. Now, when I, when I, and I remember this conversation, my daughter had gotten into um, just kind of the polls, right? And there's my poll of 20 years or so ago, and this is hers from probably a year ago. She was just all in wrapped about a, an issue. And it was just wrapped. I mean, could not get out of the loop. And I asked her, I said, what do you think would happen if you just decided to let go? <laughs> and I remember her looking at me with that kind of that trepidation of, I don't know, I, I, you know, kind of leaning toward it, it's going to spiral out of control and it's going to create this huge <laughs> catastrophic event. But at the same time, I could tell she was realizing well, wait a minute, this is not a matter of life and death and, you know, war and peace and love and hate. It's... <laughs> and I told her, I said, maybe you should experiment with that. Maybe you should just, in this one area, in this one situation, just see what happens if you just let go. My gut is, and I told her this, my gut is, is that you're going to find it probably was not weight you were supposed to be carrying. And quite frankly, you probably know when it's yours to carry. But you just mentioned it earlier, our tendency for self-inflicted problems. Mm -hmm. So I gave examples of maybe the front side of a practice. You know, I can take a look at that 20 years ago example of me in the department store and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, am I involved in things that are putting too much weight on my shoulders and I need to to exit out of some of these things? Because, Jeff, I remember uh, from uh, – its its book has been out forever now, uh, Good to Great, uh, by Jim Collins. And, and he mentions about 
some of the better leaders, the great leaders, is that they create these stop doing lists, which I thought was fascinating. Because what his point was, and it, it kind of connects a little bit to the design thing that you mentioned, right? Designing the simplicity out, is this tendency to just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and on top of and on top mm-hmm. of and on top of and on top of. And he said these great leaders, what they would do, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, is that they would create a stop doing list. What is it that we need to get out of every year? And I started doing that. Every year, I just I would do like a, uh, I still do it. I do a review. Am I involved in anything that I need to get out of? You know, whether it's, okay, how much time I'm spending on social media or, I mean, am I, am I, am I using exercises that are actually just causing injury and I'm, I'm fighting injury all the time, whatever. But it was like a healthy, intentional way of exiting and simplifying. You know, it's, it's funny successful companies do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They'll look at something and go, should we really be doing that? Do you think that happens often or is that rare? I think it's rare because when you're, whether it's an individual or it's an organization or a company, yep. when you're doing that reflection, you you have to be honest with yourself. And, okay, if this is something... I shouldn't be doing, right. or if this is something organizations shouldn't be doing, you're going to have to have a couple of things. One, you're going to have to have some self-empathy, even as a company, to say, okay, I shouldn't have been doing that, but I'm not going to beat myself up for it. Right. And then then to be able to let go of it. To uh, So let, let me stop you there, because the, the idea of self-empathy, I think, is a powerful one here. Mm-hmm. Is that self-empathy um, sort of designed so that you can go ahead and make the decision to exit. Because if you don't have that self-empathy, you might be prone to go the other way, right? And say, well, maybe I just need to give it more time. Or maybe maybe we just haven't hired the right X or done or or got the right data or whatever. Yeah, I think to be able to truly self-reflect, you have to have that self-empathy. Because you're going to confront, potentially, mistakes that you've made. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're going to look at things going, okay, we gave it a try. I gave it a try. Right. It's not right for me. It's not right for us. Yeah. And, okay, I can let go of that. I'm not going to hang on to whatever it is. And that's, you know... Uh, that's what self-empathy allows you to do is, to, you know, like you were talking with your daughter, mm-hmm. let it go and not feel guilty because like with her caught in whatever that loop was, yep. just let it go and not make yourself feel bad because you did it. And I know this is going to fly in the face of, a, of our culture a bit where, you know, everybody's opinion is worth its weight in gold when everybody's uh, – direction is the direction for everyone else um (laughs) i'm I'm laughing jeff because the amount of times where i thought i was involved in the most important things on this face of the planet (laughs) and the idea of stopping those things would mean that civilization would just cease to And I know that's the height of arrogance, but I think as human beings, sometimes we don't 
gain the perspective to go, hold on. When was the last time that I ever met someone who said, because I followed my heart and my gut, my life completely fell apart? I don't know. Uh, I'm looking around the studio. I see Jeff, see our producer, Brett. Have you, have, has any, anybody, anybody ever, uh, audience, send us an email, (laughs) make some comments, review the podcast and put, well, my brother, John, when he followed his heart, everything fell apart and he's now destitute. And I, I just, I've, I've never had anyone ever say that now. And I understand. I want to be careful here. Mm -hmm. I know some people who were not applying consequential thinking and just said, I really want to do this, so I'm going to quit and I'm going to become a whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up not working out. But I've not had anyone just say, my life just completely, this catastrophic thing occurred because I followed my gut and my heart. There there is something to allowing yourself to let those wants and desires, the things that are important to you, help you make those decisions. You know, we talk about our noble goal. And a lot of these things I think yeah. you're talking about, that noble goal is wrapped up in this. This is what I'm really about. And if I give up all these other things, but like you said, with consequential thinking, you're probably going to be a lot happier. And Jeff, hear me out, man. I, I and I remember very clearly there are those times in my life where I, I was bare bones. I was selfish. I wanted it to work out because I wanted it. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anybody say it's not the right time or it's not the right idea because that's my idea and I want it to work. It's a very I mean it's childish. It's it's showing a lack of of, of maturity. So when I look back on that and I go, really, Eric. I mean, you actually think that just because the thing that you wanted did not go the way that somehow life's over? The things that typically get us into deep water trouble, Jeff, are when we do stupid things. (laughs) No offense to anyone out there, but I'm speaking to the choir. I'm speaking to myself. It was when I refused to listen, when I said, no, it's my way or no way. That's when I got in trouble. That's when <laughs> I came close to like, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I'm saying that to say, let's maybe if we just relax a bit, take six seconds. What's behind my motivation here? Exactly. Could I wait another day? Could I maybe maybe reschedule that thing and give me give me an opportunity to think a little more? Consequential thinking, paying attention to your emotions. Yeah. The other thing we haven't mentioned is what is your pattern? Yeah. When somebody offers you something, do you always jump right in instead of oh, wait a minute. Let me think about this. So you know, recognize your patterns too. I mean, yeah, that's it's that's that's a great one. Um, and I think that that plays into a bit of um, of gaining that self-knowledge, right? To go, OK, typically when this kind of thing comes my way, I have a tendency to do this or to do that. Um, and be honest with yourself to to kind of go, that might get me in trouble. 
Um, I had this conversation uh, with uh, our producer, Brett, um, before we recorded. Because of my personality, I'm a four on the Enneagram. One of the unhealthy traits of that fourness can be an over fascination emphasis on the past. And if I'm not careful, I can get real nostalgic and I can think that every period of my past was worth revisiting on a regular basis. <laughs> and what woke me up to this was that I was I had relationships in a very brief period of time from my past. Those people had moved on from me and from that period. I found myself going back to it and I would like want to relive it and I would want to like reconnect with them. But the only thing that we had in common was that brief period in the past. Mm -hmm. I've been derailed by not recognizing that pattern. Thankfully, now I can go, oh, wait a minute, Eric, you, this is, you got to be careful. You're heading into some dangerous territory, over fascination, over emphasis of the past. Watch that. You're, you're borrowing trouble from the past. <laughs> yeah, because it's real. To a four, and you know this, Jeff, to a four, the past is a very real living thing. Mm -hmm. And if you're not careful, again, you're, you're, you're playing with ghosts. You know, there's a big difference between learning from your mistakes than dwelling on your mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And, and it even kind of just from a personal perspective— it, it, it it's not even, I mean, it's not only mistakes, it's that nostalgia. Oh man, that was such a great, those people were so nice. They were so, we did this together. We did that <laughs> together. And it could have very well been that. But the reality, and we're again, a recognizing of patterns is this idea that if, if I'm not careful, I'll find it very difficult to listen to your ideas about what the future could be because I'm so fixated over here. Now here's where I bring it home. That's another complication mm -hmm. because Jeff's wanting to talk about a future idea. I'm still thinking about relationships from my past. Jeff can't seem to get my attention to the matter. So Jeff's kind of getting frustrated and now he's going to have to. So you see how these things compound and we keep Adding those complications and that gate is closed. There, exactly. You went exactly where I was going. The gate again. The gate again. Um, Jeff, so let's let's kind of bring it full circle toward the idea about what we can do. I know we mentioned some competencies, and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, we discussed about the idea of practice and intentionality. Are there any other things for that person out there today who's going? I hear you. I get it. Makes total sense. What else can I do? What would you throw out as, a, as another tip? You know, you might want to talk with somebody that knows you, that maybe is observing things. That's a great one. You know, allow them to, to, to talk to you about that and let them know I'm, you know, um, I'm not asking you to judge me. I'm just, what are you seeing? Am I doing things that... They're maybe not harmful, but they're keeping me from other things that are more important. Is this person, my experience, is someone that you trust, mm -hmm. someone that loves you, and someone that's not going to buy your bullshit? <laughs> exactly. 
I'm sorry if I violated the family code on that one, but it is a big one. And what I mean in that sense, Jeff, is that that last one, we're really good with our own BS. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I, even some of the people that are the nicest and the most humble, they're really good at it. And we need people in our lives that we can be vulnerable with and say, hey, look, I just want you to pay attention intentionally in the next whatever. And, and what are you seeing? Yeah, ha- have I lost focus? Have I mm-hmm. whatever it is? And I think a lot of the focus, loss of focus, is where we get into this trouble. Yeah. So yeah, I think you know finding someone, you know, to do that. The idea of what you had as the the I'm not doing it anymore. However, you said it list mm-hmm. the stop doing list, stop doing list, yeah. things like that. Um, and then take that honest look at yourself. Yeah. Um. Key there as well um, is this idea. Uh, I, I think empathy will carry you a long way mm-hmm. because more often than not, when you engage with someone, when you begin to start a habit to, or the practice, I should say, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you're going to fall down. You're going to make mistakes. And maybe the even more scary part about it, I'm just being straight, right? is you may find some things you'd rather not look at. But again, you have people in your life, a community, you have this person or persons who you're willing to be vulnerable with. Someone you trust and you love and is not going to buy your bullshit is going to, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to be almost like an artist in how they're going to deliver that to you. And just keep in mind that, Growth and or healing both have a little bit of pain in them. Yeah. So when you experience it, you shouldn't be shocked, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everyone, we appreciate you tuning in today, and we look forward to the next time we're together. Take care. Bye. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So. How do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay. All but, right. But, but not, still, not totally We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it'll, it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment a like or those kind of things just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us right jeff right we appreciate you all thank you once again we really appreciate you tuning in today one of the things that jeff and i want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast it was not intended to take the place of a clinician In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, 
we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.